Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, And this episode is once again brought to you by our good friends at Props.cash. Props.cash is the number one player prop betting tool in the market. Uh, You've got those green charts, those red charts. You can see the hit rate over the course of the season. And now that we are in the home stretch of the NBA season, there is so much more data that you can rely on that you can use to make your bets. Uh, We still got another month and a half of the regular season. Then we have the playoffs. One of the nice things about Props.cash is that you can filter out regular season versus the playoffs. You can see how some of those differences are you can see you know you can see how useful of a tool it is and how players change their minutes change their rotations change what their hit rate does in the playoffs versus the regular season and you're going to be able to determine what makes your bet the best bet and you can increase your confident confidence in your handicapping skills and in your ability to check the market and make sure that you are getting the absolute best line available. You can get that for 25% off your first month with code DELERA25. Once again, that's 25% off your first month with code DELERA25. So right now, guys, let's get into it real quick. Uh, I am without producer cord today. I had some uh, business to attend to last night. So I'm recording this early on Wednesday morning. I've got a good amount of lines out right now. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll make this quick so that way we can get this right into your ear holes as soon as possible. Um, it's a pretty short Wednesday NBA slate. Uh, I'm going to break down some of the slate. I'm going to talk about a couple of my favorite plays and we will get you out of here. Uh, so that way you guys can get your week going. You can get these plays locked in and enjoy the rest of your Wednesdays. Um, the first thing that we got to talk about is it's Luka Doncic's birthday. Dude turned 25 today. Um, it's his birthday. So, you know, players always kind of like to get up. Sometimes there's a little bit of narrative. It's obviously a back to back. They lost that on a brutal, 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 uh, Max Struess, like half court heave, um, last night in Cleveland. Now they have to go to Toronto to take on the Raptors. Uh, in this game, I, you know, I, I'm not normally a sides better. I do I do a little bit more um, with the player props, but I do like the Dallas Mavericks here. Um, the Dallas Mavericks are three-point road favorites. Um, part of why I like this is the Raptors, they've been hot lately. They have, they've played, uh, they're three and one over their past couple games. Uh, they've played the Indiana Pacers twice, uh, the Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks. Look, none of those teams, the Pacers obviously are a good team, but they struggle defensively. Um, and they have struggled defensively over the course of the whole season. And the Hawks are not a good defensive team. The Nets are just in an absolute free fall. And I think, I think it's important to remember that. Like when we're looking at recent form, it's like, oh yeah, this team's been great over the past couple of games. Um, you know, thinking like they beat the Pacers, they held them close. You know, the Pacers were on a back-to-back. It was their second game uh, in as many days. And Toronto kind of got an opportunity to catch them a little bit like while they were sleeping. Um, and they played them tight the couple of days before, uh, Atlanta, you know, they've been dealing with a variety of different injuries. Brooklyn has just been terrible, just absolutely terrible this season. Uh, especially lately, uh, ever since that bucks game where they just kind of tossed it and they were just like, Oh, we're just going to punt this game. We're not going to even try. They've just been brutal. So this is, this is a spot where if you look at the recent form, you're like, Oh yeah, Toronto, like good team. They're pretty good. Um, but then if you look over the course of the past month, so like all of February, which is like a a much more significant sample size than just the last four games or so, uh, Toronto is bad. Toronto is 
their their third worst in point differential since the start of February, minus seven, 21st ranked offense at uh, 114.1, 27th ranked defense at 121.1. So they've had uh, some flashes lately. And I think that can kind of like dilute your brain. Like, you know, it kind of gets into the market. It's like, oh yeah, the Raptors are kind of good lately. Terrible. They're not good. They're not good. This line is too short. Um, they've had a little bit of success with, Quickly, Barrett and Barnes on the floor together this season. But Pirtle is listed as questionable for for tonight's game. When Pirtle is off the floor, those lineups tank from plus 3.3 to minus 6.2 without Pirtle. Um, so that's a pretty significant issue for them in this game against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, additionally, one of the spots that I do like, though, is I think I might be looking at Scotty Barnes over 7.5 rebounds. He's been hitting this pretty well lately. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about projections and how I use them and like what, what like I what I think about them uh, in a bit. But I this is a good spot. Dallas is one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. If Pirtle's out, that's only going to help him uh, in terms of grabbing more rebounds. But additionally, when we have Barnes, his size is pretty significant. Um, I'm not sure. You know, maybe they'll throw him on Luca to a certain extent, which you know is. Barnes is a fine defender, um, but it's definitely going to be a spot where, you know, he's maybe getting backed into the backed into the paint a little bit more. Um, he's going to have more opportunities to clean up a couple layups, that type of thing. Uh, so I do like Scotty Barnes to go over seven and a half rebounds tonight. Um, it's a number that he has been hitting lately as well. So over the past couple of games, um, while at first this wasn't a look for us when he when when Barrett got there, when quickly got there. But over the last five games, he's hit this in four of his last five. Um, and over his last 10, he's hit this in six of his last 10. Uh, so over, I guess, really over his last seven games, he's hit this in six of them. The one miss was against Atlanta, but he's had double digit board games uh, against Indiana twice, Brooklyn, Cleveland, who is a good rebounding team, and against Houston. Uh, and he had nine against the San Antonio Spurs. So Dallas always plays like a little bit undersized. Um, Kelly Olynyk is not the greatest rebounder in the event that Pirtle is out. Uh, this line, you can get this at seven and a half minus 120. Um, I think that's a good, I think that's a pretty good buy right here. In regards to Dallas, it looks like they're going to be getting Dante Exum back, who is an excellent, excellent perimeter defender. Um, We'll see how many minutes he plays, maybe like 15, maybe 20. Uh, He's been out for a bit with a knee injury. Uh, I I would expect that to impact directly uh, Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett. Um, It's unclear right now, like who maybe he would play, maybe who he would maybe cover, or if it's just going to kind of be like, maybe he's going to switch on to both of them. There's not going to be like glued to one of them, but it definitely is going to make their lives a little bit more difficult in this game. Uh, And I think that this kind of leans a little bit more towards Barnes. One of the players, though, obviously, like I mentioned, it's Luka Doncic's birthday. Luka has been transcendent this season. Um, On the season, he's averaging 34.5 points, 9.6 assists, and 8.8 rebounds per game. Um, I think that he is going to have a great game. Uh, 30, his points line is 33 and a half. I really don't think he's going to have too much difficulty scoring on this Raptors defense. They are one of the worst defenses in the NBA. Like I mentioned before. Um, and considering the fact that Dallas has been one of the best teams in the league over the month of February, even though they just dropped this game to Cleveland, uh, they're scoring 121.5 points per game with a plus 10.9 net rating. Uh, I think that Luca is going to ball out on his birthday. Um, he has been 
incredible um, over the past month. The one the one piece of caution that I have is that he has not hit this points line that well when he has not had any rest. So this is a back to back game uh, on no rest. He has scored thirty points just twice this season. So I'm a little hesitant to play the points, even though I like the matchup. Um, he over the course of the season, he's one in six on it. Uh, he scored 29, 26, 25, 33, 28, and 35 in the most recent back to back spot that he had against Brooklyn earlier in the month. So he definitely can get there. You know, the talent is obviously there, but I do feel like we're betting on his ceiling a little bit. Um, he's hit the 33 and a half point line in 52% of games this season. So he's hit this at an extremely solid clip over the past, uh, over the past season, but on, in no rest scenarios, he's been worse. Uh, so like when you factor that in that he was one in seven, um, you were looking at 25 out of 43 otherwise, um, compared to one in seven on no rest. So I, I think it's a lean. I might, you know, maybe I drop it down a little bit. Maybe we go to like a 30 or something like that. You can get the birthday narrative if you want. Um, but even then, uh, I think the line is a touch high. I'm not interested in playing an under, but it's just a little bit of caution there for for Luca. Um, there's the slate is like relatively thin, but one of the games that I'm most fascinated by is the Sacramento Kings versus the Denver Nuggets. Um, when we look at this game, the Denver Nuggets are seven, seven and a half point favorites. The line has kind of bopped around a little bit um, over the past, you know, over the over the evening, overnight. Um, when I look at this game, I think that there's like a slight edge on the on the Kings um, just at the seven and a half or eight and a half mark, depending on where you can find it. Uh, but I will say that Denver has looked incredibly different since they got out of the break. Um, I think KCP had a quote where he talked about how Jokic sent like the team a message, you know, saying like, let's get ready. Let's let, like, we got to prepare for the, we're preparing for the playoffs. Like this is our opportunity to kind of get it Like let's kick it in another gear and get it going. And I think that you can see that that's pretty evident in not only the way um, that they have played, but also the way that, Jokic has looked. Jokic has looked absolutely dominant lately. Um, and coming out of the break, uh, they, they've they destroyed some of these teams. Granted, these teams are not all good. They beat the Wizards 130 to 110. They beat the Trailblazers 127 to 112. And then they beat the Golden State Warriors 119 to 103. The Warriors game I thought was particularly interesting. Jokic had a... I think it was third consecutive triple-double, 32 points, 16 rebounds, 16 assists, which is an absolute monster, right? Um, The big thing is that Jokic looks like he is really, really gunning for this right now. Like, he looks like he's trying. I don't even think it's – it's not an MVP thing. Um, That's not why he's doing this. I think that he – you know, the, the the thing that I found interesting, right, and when you look at the conversation going around the league, it's like, oh, like – Denver doesn't care. Like they're the champs. Like they're just like, whatever. Like we'll just get into the playoffs. Like we just want to be healthy, whatever. The thing that's been confusing to me when like listening to these narratives is like, okay, great. Like, let's say you think Denver's underperforming. They're kind of cruising. They're kind of coasting. Um, and all these other teams like the Thunder, the Clippers, the Wolves, they're all gunning for like the one seed. 
when we look at the NBA standings in the Western Conference, Denver is two games out of the one seed. Uh, the the Timberwolves and the Thunder are tied at one forty one and seventeen. Um, the Clippers are thirty seven and nineteen, three games back. Uh, so both Denver and the Clippers, though, are two games out of the out in the loss column. The thing that I found interesting about the dialogue that Denver doesn't want the one seed um, and they're just like cruising is okay. Like, so you're saying that everybody else is relatively like overperforming. Like we think the wolves, the thunder and the Clippers are overperforming and Denver is underperforming up to this point in the season. And they are two games out. So when, if you want to try to make this actionable, looking at the, Western Conference, there's a couple things that you could do. Um, the Nuggets are plus 260 to be division champs. Um, the other thing that we've got here, let's see, is there a one seed bet? I would love to look at a one seed bet. Um, so while I'm looking for this, uh, you can look at Denver as I think a little bit more of a threat to you know continue to move up in the standings. So while they are, I don't know if they have, Oh, here we do have it. All right. If you want to bet Denver to be the one seed, which at this point is a division bet because the Clippers are really the only other team there. Denver has a one win or like a one loss advantage on them at this point. Um, and instead of getting them to win the division at plus, uh, what is this? Plus two sixty you can get them to be the one seed in the Western Conference at plus 320. Now, while I think that OKC and Minnesota and LA have kind of been trying for this, uh, maybe a little bit more, I think that there's still some value on Denver at this point in time, given the fact that I, I, I don't think anybody has said, like, and nobody has really looked at them and said, like, oh, yeah, like, they've got their foot on the gas right now. Um, but then over the past couple of games, you look at this and you're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're doing this. They're trying. Um, granted, I know that two of those games were against the Wizards and the Blazers. And then the Warriors, there's still a ton of question marks about. But uh, it might be an opportunity to buy Denver stock a little bit here and say, like, all right, like, I don't I don't see why they couldn't go to the one seed. They're only two games out in the loss column uh, with a good amount of games left to go um, and even some head to heads in there. So I think that it might be just an opportunity here um, just to get Denver in a spot where we've kind of looked at them and said like, all right, well, like I think they've underperformed relative to like maybe expectation on the season. Uh, let's let's see what we can do here. But looking at this particular game anyway, uh, it's the Sacramento Kings versus the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the one player that I'm talking that I'm going to be targeting is De'Aaron Fox. I was talking about this with Devin's bookie uh, last night, and we like Fox to go over five and a half assists in three games against Denver this season. Fox has averaged eleven point three assists on thirteen point seven potentials. So the conversion rate has been exceptional right um he's had eight 10 and 16 assists either way this five and a half is too low i know that he's on the report with a knee contusion but i do think that what denver can do from like a size perspective um and what 
Fox has done from a facilitating perspective uh, is going to give him a little bit of an edge here for assists. So when we're looking at De'Aaron Fox over the course of the entire season, we've seen his scoring kind of dip lately, um, and the assists have been good over the past couple of games. He's had 6, 5, 10, and 7 over uh, over his last four games um, against Phoenix, Oklahoma City, Denver. Um, he had 10 against on 2, 9, uh, so that was like right before the break. Um, and, oh, I'm sorry. I'm doing this on, I have the wrong filter here. Uh, over his last five games, he's got six, seven, nine, eight, and six. Um, so that's six against Miami, seven against the Clippers, nine against the Spurs, eight against Denver, six against Phoenix. Over the course of the entire season, he's averaging 5.6 assists per game, hit this in 51% of games. So it's more of about his recent form. Um, he's been able to dish a little bit better. Uh, and when we look at what his numbers are, like when he's had the, uh, when, when he's been on the road the number has dipped but not necessarily against denver he still had an eight assist game against denver um, a couple weeks ago back on february 14th so the five and a half if you can grab a plus money number uh it was plus 120 when i bet it i lost it in the action app um i love that i don't hate a ladder on De'Aaron fox you get double double or 10 plus assists at like plus 950 um i definitely think it's worth a sprinkle in this matchup where we've seen him like consistently go over this line against Denver. Um, this season, he's got it in all three games. Even last season, he had a 13 assist game. Uh, so I do think that's a good spot. Um, I have him probably closer to like six and a half, seven assists uh, in this in this game. So that's one of the looks for that game. Um, I, I was trying to look and see. I was like, I wonder if there's maybe like an angle to take um, – like a dual double dual triple double with Jokic and Sabonis and the odds that you get are laughable. It's like plus four, four fifty for them to both get a triple double. That's how incredible they both have been this season. Um, and one of the things that I like to normally look at, you know, with, uh, with some of the, some of the big men, and I've talked about this before, is just looking at you know what their history is against each other, um, how they performed against each other over the past couple of seasons. And the interesting thing is that they've both actually played pretty well. Um, over the past couple of years, Sabonis has been really, really strong. Um, he doesn't always score a lot, but he's getting he's crushing on the glass. 13 rebounds, 17 rebounds, 15 rebounds, 10, 16, 14. Uh, so I think his rebounds are potentially a look here. Um, for Sabonis, we're looking at a rebounds line uh, of, let's see, what are we looking at? Oh, we didn't even get it yet. Bear with me. For Sabonis, we're looking at a rebounds line right now of 13 and a half. So I think it's a little bit on the high side. Uh, you can, there's, it's at plus 100. So I think that it's, it's definitely a spot where like I lean the over, but it's not something that I'm in a rush to go and bet. And then for Jokic, um, it's also been really interesting rebounding wise for him against Sabonis. He's only gone over, his line is set at 12 and a half. Um, there are no 13 and a halfs in the market right now, but in head to head matchups over the past two seasons, Jokic has only gone over this line once and he's actually only gone over 10 in one of the four games or one of the five games. And that was a 13 rebound game back on December 2nd. So it's a little bit surprising. Um, Jokic also hasn't 
consistently hit the 12 and a half mark. He's been really strong of late with 16 against Golden State, 15 against Portland, 19 against Washington. Uh, but those were all like relatively soft matchups rebounding wise. Uh, this matchup against Sabonis, who is just a monster on the glass, is absolutely tougher. I, I honestly think that at the 12 and a half, you could maybe buy a little bit of under stock there. Uh, I, I'm curious to see if, if and like how the line maybe moves um, in the spot for for Jokic because the way that I have him projected, I'm looking at about like 11 and a half compared to 12 and a half. So I think an under could be appropriate here, depending on what you can get, especially if you can grab plus money. Um, it's gross. It's scary. It's kind of one of those bets that he could go over in the first half just because he's Jokic. He's just been so incredible. But at the same time, I do think this is a very tough matchup for him against DeMontis Sabonis, at least from a rebounding perspective. Uh, so looking at the rest of the slate, um, it's... It's not the most exciting slate. We'll we'll give them we'll give we'll give you that. Uh, but when we're looking at a couple of these games, we're looking at the New Orleans Pelicans against the Indiana Pacers. Pelicans have a number of players listed on their injury report for today. Um, when we're looking at who they may or may not have available, they obviously played New York last night. Um, CJ McCollum didn't play. Um, Dyson Daniels still out. Uh, at this point in time, he's not expected to be back until basically the end of March. Um, given the fact that Zion played last night, Brandon Ingram played last night, those are all spots that we need to kind of be cognizant of um, and be aware of. And with Indiana, um, they are only listing at this point in time, Doug McDermott is not going to play against the Pelicans and Aaron Neesmith is questionable for this game against the Pelicans. So I think that we could look at some spots for Halliburton, um, you know, maybe a little bit for Siakam, but in regards to Halliburton, one of the things that I've been surprised about is his assist line keeps like dropping. Actually Uh, he's just had seven against Toronto. He had 10 against Dallas. Um, but his assist line has dropped. We were seeing a lot of 12 and a halfs before. Now we're starting to see the 11 and a halfs come back. Um, the 11 and a halfs, he's averaging 11 and a half on the season. Uh, it's it's come down definitely from when he was averaging over 12. Uh, over the last 10 games, he's only averaging 8.9, 8.9 assists per game. Granted, some of that was on that like a little bit of a minutes restriction. Um and, you know, we've kind of seen that we've seen his minutes tick up lately. He's playing like over 30 minutes in each of the last six games. Uh, but at the same time, when we if we can kind of change like I'm using props that cash right now, you can kind of change some of the minutes limits that he's got here. So if he's playing 30 minutes, um, he has hit this line in 67 percent of games, the 11 and a half. We're going to need a plus number. Um, New Orleans is a strong defensive team. But one of the things that they do is they allow a, they still allow a decent amount of assists and they allow a lot of three point attempts. Uh, They're one of the best in the league at defending three point attempts. Uh, But Indiana definitely has some guys that can nail these down. Um, At the same time, though, they have not really surrendered like huge assist performances uh, to guards. They've given up a a 15 to Tyus Jones um, and eight to Io DeSumo. But other than that, uh, over the last, you know, couple weeks, uh, they have not really given up massive 
assist lines to anyone. Um, they've only given up double-digit assists to Tyus Jones uh, so far over the past couple of weeks, and LeBron James had a 14-assist game against the Pelicans as well. Other than that, back, dating back to February 7th, they have yet, they've only allowed – so that means they've only allowed two 10-assist games over the past basically month or so. Um, so even though it's a spot that I probably like, I think the line is good. Um, it's definitely something to kind of monitor because I think his assists have been down a bit of late. Um, so even though it's a back-to-back, even though Indiana plays at one of the fastest paces in the league and should be able to speed up New Orleans, uh, it's not a spot that I'm interested in right now, at least as you know New Orleans is like currently composed or so to speak. Um, when we look at the when we look at the rest of the slate here, uh, we're looking at the Grizzlies against the Timberwolves. This is just a this is going to be a gross game. The Grizzlies are they, the Grizzlies have been pretty bad. They're they're trotting out almost like a G League team out there. Um, but one of the spots that I was curious to see because Carl Anthony Towns did not play last night. Rudy Gobert did play. Um, I'm curious to see if they flip flop for this game um, because if they don't, or if Carl Anthony Towns sits again, uh, it kind of could open up a little bit more opportunity for for our guy Gobert. Um, when we look at what Minnesota has done lately, uh, they said that Kyle Anderson wasn't going to return against the Spurs on Tuesday night. So that was last night. Uh, he had some hamstring tightness. I, I wouldn't, I'd be curious to see if he plays. Carl Anthony Towns did not play against San, San Antonio due to a personal matter. Um, and Jalen Clark uh, was just isn't really in the rotation anyway too much. Uh, he was out with an Achilles. He's going to be out for... Um, He's been out indefinitely. So it just doesn't, you know, it's not really anything new. The thing with Towns and Anderson is interesting is if neither of them can play, uh, I would imagine that Rudy Gobert then obviously like has to play. Um, When we look at Gobert, his stats against Jaron Jackson Jr., he has had some monster, monster games. Um, He's had a 17.10 rebound a game. He's had a 16 and 20. Uh, he had one. He had one like really. He's had a couple bad like scoring games against Memphis, but a lot of that had to do, I think, with having Stephen Adams around, uh, and you know, and with that being a level of impact. Uh, so I do think that Gobert is a player that I'm going to be targeting in this game here. Uh, Gobert, his rebounds line right now is set at. 13 and a half, which is sky high, but he's just had, he's coming off of games of 17 and 19 against the Spurs and the Bucks. He had a 12 against Portland and then he had a 15 against Portland also in the game before. Um, part of the thing here is when we look at it, you can filter out a couple things. Um, and when you filter out that when Carl Anthony Towns is out this season, he's gone over in both games. He's had 17 rebounds. Both of them though, were against the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Last season, when Towns was out, he had 10 against uh, Memphis and 13 against Memphis. Uh, So it's definitely a little bit precarious. But at the same time, I think this is a great spot for him. Uh, I'm projecting him to go over the 13 and a half line. I think that given the fact that it was a personal issue for Towns um, and the back to back, and, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a chance that Carl Anthony Towns does not play, even if he does play. I don't think I mind the look. Um, and I think that I could live with having the 13 and a half. I will say though, 13 and a half is a very high number for a rebounding line. I think that we can wait 
I don't think that there's like a rush to bet this. I think that if Towns is ruled in, then you know, I think that maybe we'll get a maybe we get a 12 and a half, maybe we get some plus money on the 13 and a half. Uh, but if Towns is out, um, then I, I can't really see this jumping too much more significantly to like a 14 and a half or something like that. The line is just the line would just be too high at that point in time. It's just it would just be a little bit untenable to even list a line like that. So uh, I do like Gobert to go over this line of the 13 and a half. Um, looking at the Cavaliers against the Bulls, Bulls have been playing a little bit better of late. Uh, Cleveland obviously had that thriller of a game last night, a little bit of emotional letdown, but at the same time, I think that it is going to present itself as a good opportunity for them to take on the Chicago Bulls tonight. Um, when we look at these two teams over the course of the whole season, Cleveland fourth in adjusted net plus 4.7. Chicago is one of the worst. They're 21st minus 2.4 in adjusted net rating. Uh, I don't like this matchup for Chicago. Um, Cleveland should really be able to take care of business. I would lean that way uh, for this game. Um Finally, the last game on the slate that I wanted to touch on was the Lakers versus the Clippers. Lakers are three and a half point dogs. It's obviously it's a home game for for the Lakers like they stay in their locker room. They could stay at home. Uh, it's a road game only on paper. And, you know, you know that there's plenty of Lakers fans or L.A. fans that are going to go to this game. Tickets are you know, maybe a little bit cheaper to get, whatever. It's going to be a packed house. The Lakers Lakers fans are going to stuff this building. It's going to feel like a home game. Um, one of the spots that I'm looking at, though, is Avitsa Zubac. Uh, I'm looking at over nine and a half rebounds. I think that you need him out there versus Anthony Davis. Uh, when he's played 20-plus minutes this season, he's gone over in 21 of 42 games. And this season, he's played 30 and 38 minutes against the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's an uptick compared to his 27.5 minutes average. In those two games, he had nine and 19 rebounds. I think the nine and a half is a good look. I think if you want to get plus money, you grab double double. Um, he's gotten that at almost the same clip as the rebounds, and you can get that about like plus one twenty five, plus one thirty. So you're you're getting compensated for the difference. Uh, I, I just think that this is a spot where I, I don't like Anthony Davis's rebounds. His line is pretty high. It was twelve and a half, thirteen and a half. He really has not hit that against the Los Angeles Clippers. But at the same time, it's not a spot that I was looking to necessarily fade him in given the importance of this game for the Lakers. It's, ho- it's like a relative home game. Um, and I think the Lakers, the Lakers always seem to play the Clippers a little bit tough. Um, and while Paul George is on the report, I will have to kind of keep an eye on whether or not he is or isn't going to play. One of the things that I will say, and that I have noticed um, is when Paul George is out, there's a couple players that see pretty decent spikes in their their usage, their scoring, what have you. James Harden sees his scoring jump from 16.9 points per game to 22.5 points per game without Paul George. His rebounds go up from five to six and a half, and his assists go up from 8.1 to 9.3 as he's asked to take on a heavier offensive load. For Kawhi, he sees a scoring increase by about four points. His rebounds per game go up from about six to 8.8. That's definitely an angle. 
One of the things that I think was surprising, though, is that Russell Westbrook does not see the uptick that you would have expected. All of his stats actually go down. Um, the player that winds up seeing the biggest jump or one of the most noticeable jumps is Norman Powell, who goes from 13.2 points per game to 19.3 points per game. So I do think that this is a good opportunity to maybe be look be looking for like some Norman Powell props, uh, see where those come in at the market, especially if Paul George is unable to go. Uh, so that's definitely a spot that I want to be looking for, especially considering the fact that the Lakers surrender a lot of threes. Um, some Norman Powell threes, the points, uh, I think either is a good option against this Los Angeles Lakers team in the event that Paul George is unable to go. And even if he is able to go, I think I still might like Norman Powell in this matchup, just kind of given what I was just saying before uh, about the shot profile that the Lakers tend to allow. One quick thing before we get out of here, though, is I want to touch on Clay Thompson coming off the bench. Um, he's been really, really solid for the uh, for the Golden State Warriors since he's come off the bench. Uh, it's kind of opened up their lineups, opened up their rotations. But one of the bigger things is going to be actually Chris Paul is now returned. So I think having Chris Paul and Clay Thompson come off the bench is interesting. Um, it's it's a great pairing, honestly, for the two of them. Clay is one of those players he's not he should not be getting his own shot um he should be getting set up via assist uh that's definitely the way that you want to be utilizing him you need him to get open shots in rhythm uh not something where he's trying to get like a fadeaway or anything like that like that's you you want Paul George or you want Clay Clay Thompson to be getting set up by somebody else in the minutes with Clay and Chris Paul, they're like a plus 90. Um, it's been incredible. Uh, the the D, Their offense is kind of humming when you have the two of them coming off the bench in particular. Um, we noticed that last night, Clay like really, really thrived off the bench playing alongside of Chris Paul. And having Chris Paul back, I think, really is going to stabilize that bench unit for the Warriors. Like I've said before, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Warriors going to run. I will be looking to bet on Clay Thompson points, though, moving forward with Chris Paul. Um, I like the combination of them. I think that Chris Paul is a player that is going to set you up to succeed from an offensive perspective. Uh, he's going to get you the ball in the right spot. He's going to get it in the right shooting form. Uh, and it's he's going to be looking to get Clay cooking off the bench. Um, it's... You know, I, I think that that is going to help Clay accept his role better as a bench player, as a bench scorer, as a microwave scorer against, you know, some team second units and having two guys that have played at such an elite level be willing to come off the bench for team success at the same time, I think is going to make it a little bit easier for him to swallow as well. Um, and I, I saw so that's, that's why I'm going to be looking at some Clay stuff moving forward. Um, one of the things that I did want to touch on is, I've been trying to use some projections a little bit more in my like handicapping um, and in what I'm doing uh, this season. So a lot of times, like when I do write-ups, like in just from a level of transparency, right? So a lot of times when I do write-ups, um, when I do like analysis, when I do the podcast, I'm looking at projections and I'm using a variety of different sources. I uh, just try to see like where, like where they're at is my head there, like uh, whatever. So, uh, one of the things that I like to do is I like to always come into a slate with ideas of like what I want to play, like some of the angles that I like just off the bat. Um, and then I like to see like, okay, like, cause I, cause I'll know I'll say like, all right, well, 
I like the I like the spot. Um, I think it's a good matchup for X, Y, and Z reasons. Like if we're talking about assists, maybe it's like a pace up game, or it is a game that uh, you know it's a game against a team that allows a lot of assists, or it's a team that allows assists of like a particular type, um, or you know they allow like a lot of spot up shooting. So that means it's it's catch and shoot. You're gonna probably need you obviously need some assists to on those types of shots. Um, so I'll try to come into a slate like looking at that or I'll be looking at rebounds. I'll say like, all right, well, like how does this player perform against this player? Or what, like, how does this big do against this guy? Um, and uh, like that's some of the capping that I like to do coming into the spot. Like I'll look at the spot. I'm looking at the matchup. I'm looking at some of the, you know, what the what the offensive defensive ratings are, what some of the advanced metrics kind of point to, what are the potentials, what, whatever. Um I look at hit rate as well. Uh, I think it's important. Um, I don't think that it's the most important thing. I think that it helps sometimes with like implied probability, especially on alts. Like when you're starting to see some of these like higher alt lines and you're like, Ooh, like that doesn't seem to be a fair number or a fair price for that. Uh, but one of the things that I have tried to do more recently is look at projections and you can get those from like a variety of different places. Action has them. Props.cash has them. Uh, scores and odds has them. Rhythm has them. Uh, there's there's so many there's so many different projection sites, right? Um, I don't live and die by those. Uh, I I like to try to think of them as like a guide, right? So if I have my cap and I like a play, and then I'm looking, I'm like, what is the, like? Why is this projecting so like off of whatever I'm doing? Um, sometimes I'll use it as more of like a I don't want to call it confirmation bias, but I'll definitely use it as like a guardrail. So if I'm thinking like the other night, for example, I wanted to bet on Vucevic under uh, points plus rebounds because he had a bad matchup. Uh, Who's it against? I'm going to tell you. So he had a bad matchup against. The Pelicans. And Jonas Valanciunas, like just not like a particularly good matchup for him historically. Every projection site that I looked at, um, his points plus rebounds was set at 29.5. Every projection site had him over. Um, he wound up finishing with 22 and 13. So uh, so that's what, 35 PR. I wound up holding off. I didn't bet it. Um, it was something that I was looking at, but I was like, I don't know. Like, I think maybe I'm missing something um, in my cap. Uh, and, and like, I was struggling to figure it out, but I was like, I'm so far off. Like, it's not, uh, it, it was, it was not a spot where I was like super comfortable um, with what my analysis was. So I think that like sometimes having like using projections as more of like a guardrail um, one way or the other, I think is interesting i think it's important um a lot of times the way the projections kind of work because it's about like offensive rating usage minutes pace the it's all algorithmic right it's all it's all uh it's not like you can manually adjust it to a degree but you put in the inputs and you're gonna get the output right um you're gonna get the projection I think when you use projections, a lot of times, like you tend to fall in the, uh, like the margins are thinner, right? So like your edges are thinner. So if you are a projection based better where you're building your own projections or like you're using a particular sites and like, that's all you want to do. You really shouldn't 
be this is I like I like to flat bet. I think it's better for content wise to say like I'm flat betting uh, for people to tell me betting flat. Um, if you're not doing that, like if you're betting on projections, you're obviously betting on like a very heavy math based model, um, and you should be betting uh, using like Kelly criterion basically. Like you should be Kelly betting. You should be betting on edge, which is uh, like. You, essentially what that means is that the bigger the edge, the more you should be betting. Um, and most of the times with projections, you're not going to see like huge discrepancies in what you're projecting versus what the line is. I think they're a little bit more narrow. Um, the way that I look at a lot of capping, um, like if I really like a matchup, I'm like, all right, like this guy could get, this like he could get like he could have like a 16 18 rebound game he could go instead of having a points prop at like 15 and a half or 13 and a half i'm like oh you know he could go the fuck off like keegan murray the other night his points prop was at 13 and a half and i was like i i could see him easily scoring like in the 20s um and that's the one that's the way that went projections didn't wouldn't get you close to that so like you can look at the projection. The projection was high on Keegan Murray. It was still like over 14 when the prop was at 13 and a half, but the margins are usually going to be thinner. Um, so I think that, but I think that using that as like a guardrail is a little bit helpful. So it's like my personal cap on it was taking him to 20. I like the latter opportunity. I like that situation. Um, but the, and the guardrail of the projection was like, yeah, like you're on the right track. Like we, we also like him to go over, but we're not going to go, we're not going to go that crazy. Using it as a guardrail for things to not bet, I think sometimes is good too, because if my look at it is significantly different or in the opposite direction of the projection, then that's one thing. Sometimes the projections don't align with what my thoughts are. Like the projection will be like, we're basically right on the number. And I'm like, ah, like I like the over, I like the under for X, Y, and Z reason. And I think that's why it's important to use so many different things as like arsenals like in your tool chest for when you're trying to handicap or when you're trying to bet on these games because you can find like little edges here and there that you know maybe a model doesn't see because it's so math heavy versus matchup heavy or basically like what you've watched or what you've witnessed so i like to use projections as like a guardrail that says okay um i you know, I, I'm looking this way and the projections under, but I'm, I, I was thinking over then it's maybe a spot that I'm going to hold off on because you really don't have to bet on everything. And I think that if you can kind of temper down a little bit of your volume in certain instances where it's like, you don't need to bet it to find out you can not bet it and just watch the game and be like, was I right? Was I wrong? And then you can take that as a learning opportunity. Um, you don't need to like, you don't need to put, a unit on a play because you're like, I think this is right. Even though like I'm being told or like there's certain signals that this isn't a good play. So I think that's one of the most important things that you can do as a better is understanding which bets to sit out and which ones you should just learn from, because sometimes you'll see a fishy line. You're like, I don't understand this. Um, sometimes it's like, sometimes I do think it is worth it to buy into the market. Um, Cause you're like, I don't think I'm going to get this number again. But then there's other times where you look at it and you're like, I, like, I don't know, I have to be missing something. And it's okay. Like, even if you missed out on that and it did cash, then it's like, okay, maybe like take that as an opportunity to like either trust yourself a little bit more or see it's like, was it a lucky play? Like, did something happen here variance wise or like what, what exactly happened here or did it hit 
and it wasn't really aligned with why I was capping it that way. Um, so those are all important things to look at because understanding why you won or lost a play sometimes is more important than the actual result of what happened there. Uh, so that's some of my advice on how I use projections, how I use some of the tools and how I use some of the modeling. Um, but with that, uh, I'm going to leave you with one quick recommendation. And that recommendation is to, uh, you know, make sure that like get some fresh air, the, the temperatures coming up a little bit, um, get outside, do some of the things that you need to do in the lawn before it gets like way too hot. Uh, especially if you, depending on where you live, obviously, um, the other thing is I've been turning uh, – my my house gets hot sometimes. Like I don't know if – I think it just is like where it's situated or where the sun gets. Um, but I've been turning my, my heat off during the day sometimes. Um, and I've been turning it off just because it gets so hot in the house. So, you know, if you're, if you're, at, if you're out, if you're at work, you maybe you don't need the heat on all day because you know it's going to be like in the 50s um, or maybe in the 60s. And uh, – the sun is going to be on your house. It's going to be roasting when you come back home. You know, think about think about turning the thermostat off. You know, save save a couple bucks on the gas, save a couple bucks on the heating, um, and call it a day. So that's uh, that's my recommendation for today. Um, additionally, one of the things that I like, uh, like I'm an eyeglass. I obviously wear my glasses. I like those eyeglass lens wipes, like little alcohol pads. I feel like I just always get to keep my glasses clean. I like to have them at work. I there's nothing I hate more than like if I get something on my glasses, I go to wipe it off on like my shirt or something like that, or like tie, and it just gets like smudgy. And like you can see that there's like that little bit of haze. It's like impossible to get off. So I like uh, I definitely like those little alcohol prep pads. Um, but with that, you know, when you're prepping your glasses, you know, prepping, you know, turn the heat off in your house because you are just going to be absolutely cooking these books using props.cash. Uh, and you can get props.cash for 25% off your first month with code Delera25. They have some of the projections that I was just talking about. They have their own projection model. They have uh, how opponents are in each area, whether that's allowing points, rebounds, assists, three-point attempts, three-point percentage, uh, turnovers. They have all of that within the tool to go along with those fancy hit rate charts that I think are so, so important for visualizing some of the data. Uh, you can see their head-to-head matchups. You can see players, how they've done over the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 games, um, regular season and the postseason. You can get all of that for 25% off your first month of co- with code Delera25 for props.cash. So with that, you know, keep the heat up in the lab, turn it down in your house, and let's continue to cash that. <laughs>